You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Daniel chapter number 3 and verses 1 through 7. It was difficult. We're going to skip and hop through the majority of this chapter, so it's difficult to, to pinpoint one area, but this is one, where it all began. And um, without leaving something out, it's just impossible. But Daniel chapter 3. Starting at verse number 1, we read down to verse number 7. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all of the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herod cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people and nations and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worships shall the same hour be, or, and whosoever falls not down and worships shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all of the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And I want to stop right there because it's all about uh, the command of the king for them to bow down and to worship the image that plainly the scripture says that Nebuchadnezzar set up but we're going to skip and we're going to hop here just a little bit and i want to minister for just a moment on this thought lessons of the fire lessons of the fire will you bow your head and will you help me pray tonight god we love you and we thank you god for your grace and for your mercy and love thank you for the presence of the holy spirit the anointing that we've already felt that we've already experienced here tonight Thank you for these young people, God, that has allowed you to use them and work through them, God, for nothing greater could be said of them than that they were used by the Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open our ears to hear, hearts to receive, and anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. I want to begin this way and. I do it respectfully, and I know that you will take me that way, but I want to begin like this. Without sounding boastful or being taken lightly either, because I don't want to sound boastful and I also don't want to be taken lightly, but I still believe with all of my heart that Faith Worship Center is a church that is and a church that will be a body that the Lord will work through in the day and the hour that we live in. Amen. I believe that God has great things in store. We have had promises after promises, and, and uh, we, we see in the Lord do great things. I sat yesterday afternoon with my mother-in-law, and we were sitting in her in our home, and as we were just sitting there, just me and her visiting, she was asking me a little bit about the church, and uh, as we began to talk, she said, you know, last Sunday night we had 14 there in attendance, and from what I hear, most the majority of the church are seeing as their attendance is falling off more and more and more, So, uh, and, and that is of a truth. I read a statistic yesterday that said that after COVID, when everybody was shut down and they went to live services only, that after COVID, only 25% of those that faithfully attended returned back to their home church and everybody else decided to stay home and just watch by video. And let's just be honest, probably most of the time are not watching anything at all. It became an excuse for them to fall out and no longer to be faithful to the house of the Lord. I say this kindly and I don't mean it to be offensive in any way at all but I heard something yesterday disturbing even on on Caleb but on Caleb a, a man that 
came on there and said, you know, it's just what it's become. And they were encouraging uh, that maybe that's what church is going to become. And I thought, and they said, we can see your point. And they were trying uh, to go along. And they were going along with both points. But I want you to know when we start seeing a point that will, that will completely defy, thus saith the Lord, uh, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And we put away the gifts of those that are called to be used by ministry. It's not a point that should be seen by the child of God because it was not given to them by the Lord himself. I, I believe tonight and I'm grateful to be a part, a small part in what the Lord is doing right here and I, I thankfully could tell my mother-in-law that well it doesn't matter what night. Brother Troy just gave a report of a Wednesday night report and there were 80 in attendance and I'm thankful. I thank God for that. I don't say I'm boastful but I thank God for that. 80 in attendance on a Wednesday night. That's not heard of. But I want you to know that tonight something that you already know, but I, it's my job to remind us uh, from time to time. The hand of the Lord is upon you. God's got great things in store. God is still going to send us uh, a harvest of souls like we have never seen. God is still going to use Faith Worship Center. And when I say that, I mean you and your family and your friends and those that are around you. Those empty seats that are beside you, I'm praying God would fill each and every one of them. And I I'm believing God to fill them with your family. If you if you could pick anybody to sit by you, I know that it would be your family. And I want you to understand, God is not done with Faith Worship Center. We're just beginning. We're just getting going. There are great things in store for this church. I believe that. As much as it amazes me to see those that God has added. To look out across this congregation tonight, it amazes me to look and I can begin to pick very different backgrounds and different walks of life. There are those here once bound by alcohol, no longer bound by alcohol, Brother Mark. There are those that are bound, uh, that were once bound by drugs, no longer bound by drugs. Uh, there are those that has came from different religions and different walks of life that has been set free by the message of Christ and Him crucified. Uh, we are looking around and we see different walks of life and God has gathered a people together here for a reason. He places in the body as it pleases Him. Uh, I got to tell you tonight, uh, I'm excited more excited now than what I've ever been I am thankful for what God has done but I am more grateful for what God is about to do there are those that will allow him to use him I'm anxious to see what is ahead because I still believe that the hand of the Lord is upon us but with everything that the Lord does comes a great attack from the enemy With everything that the Lord does comes a great attack from the enemy. To those that hold on, to those that lean on him in the midst of the battle, those that will trust him, we know that victory is promised. But I want to tell you tonight, I'm not standing up here oblivious. I did, I, let me just talk to you for just a second. I'm not standing up here completely oblivious. I'm not standing up here in the dark. But I'm also not standing up here telling you that, how do I say this and be, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. Let me just put it like that. You know what I am? I'm your pastor and I'm hoping to you that I am somebody that you can confide in and to many of you that you have confided in me. But I want to tell you tonight, today and this morning and through the last week especially, my heart has been heavy for Faith and Worship Center, for the, for the members here. There are people, I mentioned it this morning, that are going through a great attack. There are, there are people that you are setting beside that is going through a great attack. And we are learning that we thought we've already been through a great attack. I thought I'd already been through a great battle. But when we look back at the battle that we had before that we thought would destroy us and try to compare it to today's battle... How many of us would gladly go back and fight that battle all over again? Because it seems the battle gets more and more and more. And truthfully, it does because the enemy does not give up easy. He doesn't quit. I'm not oblivious to the fact that some of you are ready to break tonight. I'm not oblivious to the fact that some of you are ready to quit. In fact, it would be easier. I have other things that I can preach, but I, I'm, you know how I am. I'm going to share my heart with a sincere heart tonight. 
I come to ask you, I guess, a favor, not just for me, but for you and for the kingdom of God. I come to ask you with all of my heart, and I'm going to try my best to bring out some things in Scripture, and I feel this in my spirit. I'm asking you, believer, I don't care who you are, every man, every woman, every teenager, listen to me. I'm asking you, for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the things that God's got in store for you ahead of time, I'm asking you to not bow. I'm asking you to don't bow. I'm asking you to not give in. I'm asking you to trust God one more hour. I'm asking you to trust God one more day. I'm here pleading with you tonight to not throw in the towel. Give God a little more time to work. Give him another more, another week to work. But whatever you do, I don't know how hard it will get. I don't know how high the mountain is that you have been placed in front of you. I don't know how dark the valley is. But I come tonight with my whole heart to ask you, don't give up. Don't bow down. Keep going for the kingdom of God. The miracle of the three Hebrew children has been a favorite of the church for, a lot of, for all of my life, for all time. To think about the fact that these three boys stood for, the, for, for God and would not bow still remains as a testimony. I want you to think about that. Their testimony is still being preached and voiced in churches all across the world today. I don't know exactly when it was written, probably some at least, it had to be some uh, four, three or 4,000 years ago, but we're still reading and we're still being encouraged by the fact that these three Hebrew children would not bow down to the demand of the king. And still today, it's an encouragement to the church and should be an encouragement to you. Often we shout as we study the text, and why would you not shout? Why would you not shout at the fact that God looked down at a fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar threw three men in and there are four men walking around, loose, uh, no longer bound, walking around in the fire? It's something to shout about. It's something to be encouraged. Three Hebrew children, I want you to understand this. They were overseeing the affairs of the province of Babylon. They wasn't doing anything wrong, Brother Junior. They wasn't doing anything to be disobedient. They were doing a good job. They were favored at one time by Nebuchadnezzar. They were favored in those in the eyes of those that knew them. But there came a moment in time when Nebuchadnezzar said, you're going to bow down to an uh, to a idol, a golden image that I create, and they no longer could bow any longer. You see, there's times in our life that we can have a little give. We can have a little bend. We can, uh, I've been taught and I even teach those coming behind me, if you can, and not compromise anything, take the low road if possible. But when it comes to compromising your stand with God, you can't take the low road. You must stand and refuse to bow down. I want you to think about this. They already took on different names. This was not the names that they were given by their mothers. This was not their Hebrews' names. This was a name that was given to them there in Babylon. The reason Nebuchadnezzar gave them new names is because he's trying to wipe out the name of Jehovah. He's trying to wipe out the name of their, of their God, the Hebrew God that they served. Nebuchadnezzar didn't want anything to do with that, so he gave them new names. That's okay. They said, all right, well, you will take on different names. We'll be known as somebody else. But now that he decided to build a golden image and command everyone to foul, bow down to his image, uh, they said, no, sir, you've gone too far. Faith worship center, I want you to know there will come a point uh, where somebody asks more of you than what you, are, than what you can do according to the work of God. And at that moment, uh, I hope you say, no, sir, no, ma'am, I will not bow down. They decided, he decides to build his golden image. He commanded everyone to fall down, as the word says, but the word there, fall down, it literally means to bow. To bow means to submit or to yield to authority. To submit or yield to the authority. And lately, uh, I, I, just to give you an instance, we've had, uh, the past few years, we've had a lot of rioting in different cities. 
all of this riding in different cities by, I'm just going to be blunt because I, I, I get all tongue-tied when I try to step around stuff, but you got Black Lives Matter and you got the Proud Boys and you got all of these guys uh, that are raising up and they're trying to get the police force, the cops, to bow down to them. You know what I've seen? Uh, I've seen some cops bow down to them. Do you know why they wanted them to bow down to them? They didn't want them to apologize. They didn't want them just to follow them. They want them to bow down, take a knee and bow down to me uh, because they wanted them to submit to the authority of what they were doing. Uh, I want you to know bowing down is not something that we should take lightly. When you bow down, you make it minutes you're over me and I'm beneath you. And I will follow you. I've yielded to you. I've submitted to you. And whatever you do, then that's what I'm going to follow for here on out. Uh, and regardless of what those think about our police force uh, or our, those men that wear in blue, uh, I'll tell you tonight, I guess I'm veering to the book of Steve. Uh, I'm thankful for those that serve, uh, that are there to serve and to protect. Uh, and I'm thankful for those that look Black Lives Matter and Proud Boys in the face and said, no, sir, we will not bow down to you. They don't need to bow down to their authority. They decided, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll build a golden image and you will bow down to it. In verse number 7, I want you to see something here in verse number 7. At that time, when the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, watch this, all the people, the nations, languages fell down and worshipped the golden image. By the words, all the people, all nations, and all languages, here's what you need to know. They're in Babylon. They're not in a lot of nations. But what this implies, and looking back to some commentaries, it literally implies that Nebuchadnezzar, he brought everybody together that he had already captured, all of those that were under his authority and all of his rule, all of those kings from other nations, all of those rulers from other nations. The three Hebrew children and Daniel were here because Judah had fell under the submission of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to bring all their leaders together, and I want all of Babylon to see this. I don't care who they worship. I don't care who they've claimed to serve. Uh, everybody's going to know that today when we play the music, they're going to do what I tell them to do, and they're going to bow down at our God. Uh, they're going to bow down at this golden image. Uh, I want you to know Nebuchadnezzar, he was trying to make quite a scene. Uh, it indicates that all of the rulers of nation had been conquered. You see, I want you to know it's not enough for the enemy to defeat one area of your life. He wants to defeat every area of your life. And whatever area you bow down to, that's his open door. I'm preaching good. That's his open door to defeat and to conquer every single area of our life. It's not enough. He wants to lead our life to ruins. And that's why we have to be careful not to bow down. It's got to be a lesson. It's not about defeating you in one battle. It's about, re it's about you submitting and yielding your entire life to him little by little. If he can get you to submit in one area... He can get us to submit in another area. And he will not stop until our life has been completely destroyed and submitted to him 100%. All this time, Judah was under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And as the three Hebrew children, being over the affairs of Babylon, they were put right in the midst of all of these people. They were there in the middle of all of these rulers from all across nations. And, and they, were, they were told that they would bow down. And when they were told to bow down, you see all of these rulers, the picture in my mind, and should be because it gives us to the, to the scripture, the picture that we have here is all of these rulers, all of these kings, all of these nations bowed down and yielded and submitted to Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse number 14, we see here there was a bunch of tattletellers that run to Nebuchadnezzar and told him everybody bowed down like you told them to. I want you to know, if Nebuchadnezzar was that concerned about that, he would have been present. But they run and told him because all they're going to do, he expected them to just do as they tell them. Listen, the enemy just expects you to bow down automatically. And Nebuchadnezzar spake after they told him they wouldn't bow. He said, bring them to me. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Verse number 15. 
He says, now if it be ready that at the time that you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all the kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver? Man, I, I, I feel that in my spirit. He's about to learn who that God is. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now let me tell you, in verse number 14, he wasn't there. In verse number 15, he said, bring them to me. He reiterates what he told them. He told them to come back, play the music with me watching because he's trying to intimidate them even the more with his presence now being there. I want you to know the enemy won't give up easy. He will try to intimidate you. Just about the time I thought it got bad, it got a little worse, and he started to intimidate just a little bit more. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I'm going to have to come back because we're going to have to preach that sometime. Verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. I love this. It's three teenagers that are sticking together. Do you know what three teenagers that could do that was stuck together in a high school? I'm preaching good. Do you know what three teenagers could do that stuck together in high school? <laughs> oh, that's good preaching. I'll save that for a youth night, but that's good preaching. And here they are. They wasn't careful. In other words, I don't even got to think about it. Shadrach didn't ask Meshach. They didn't ask Abednego. Abednego didn't ask them what they thought. They didn't have to take a little time to communicate about it. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have to give this any thought, and we're not careful to answer you and run this matter. This is a good subject for us to talk about because this is a subject we're all on the same page about, a subject we're all in unity about. Let me tell you what we're going to say. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. Even if it's through the fire, they were going to be delivered out of the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse number 18, but if not, I love that, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that you have set up. We will not serve your gods. In verse number 19, I got to read this, and then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. The form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to pick on her a little bit. It's kind of like Sister Becky. She has a hard time hiding it right here. Facial expressions. I said, babe, your face is expressing exactly. Well, I can't hide it here. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar didn't do a good job of hiding it. He couldn't hide it. His face had turned. He was full of fury. He was aggravated. It changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch this. No longer is he proud to have them over his province. He wasn't no longer taking affairs. No longer is he uh, bringing them to be used. He says, therefore, he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace up one seven times more, or hot, seven times more than what it was to be heated. About the time they think the battle's got about as hot as what it can get, Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to turn it up. I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but families that are going through a trial right now, individual believer that's going through a trial, don't be surprised if the enemy turns it up seven times hotter. He turned it up seven times hotter. He called his mighty men. He got his mighty men there. And when they got there, he said, he, he told them to bind them. I don't know. I've been looking, doing a little research. I'm not so sure that he didn't tie all three of them together. But they were bound, and they were bound in their garments. That was easy to be burned. Here's what we see. He turned it up seven times hotter and thrown them in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looked down there, and he not only seen three, but he seen four men. Don't shout yet. But he seen four men that is walking around in the midst of the fire. I want you to know that uh, lesson number one from the fire that we can learn when he turned up the fire seven times harder, the enemy always presents, listen to what I'm about to say, he always presents the consequences of not bowing down to be worse 
than if you stand for what you know is right. He will always present the consequences to be worse. You know, I don't have children. I'm going to pick on this just a little. I don't have children. I love most of your children like they're my own. No, I love all of them like they're my own. And if they're with me and Sister Becky, we treat them like they're my own. Discipline, protect them. We do. Y'all know. Just your kids have been with me. I love them. But I've had parents tell me, I'm not raising children. That they have fear of discipline because they're fear that of what it might do that their child might rebel. I'm just using that as an example. Some has feared being straight with her spouse because of the consequences that may, may or may not happen. Get that, may not happen. But I want to tell you whatever situation it is, you can't give any thought to consequences of what may or may not happen. Because if you bow, you're still bound. You're still bound and you still open up a door. Oh, it may be okay for a little while, but in the depth of your heart, you're always going to know, oh, I messed up. Do not, do not fear the consequences so much that you bow down in any situation. Every situation, any, any person, whatever it is, it's never right. It's never right to bow in any area. If you are doing it for fear of consequences, you're messing up. If you're doing it for fear of consequences, you're messing up. My grandma used to say all the time, you'll never regret doing the right thing. You will never regret doing the right thing. And as long as we do things scripturally, we will never regret. Another lesson of the fire that I want to bring out to you that I want you to see is this. The fire was more for Nebuchadnezzar than it was for the three Hebrew children. The fire is more for the enemy than it is for you that's going through the fight, going through the trial. Why is that? What benefit is it going to do to the three Hebrew children if they're consumed by the fire and they're no longer there? Nebuchadnezzar didn't do that just to prove a point to them. Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them in the fiery furnace so that it would puff them uh, him, puff him up in the eyes of all of the rulers of all the other nations. And make him look greater than what he ever was. Nebuchadnezzar was doing it to destroy their testimony. Nebuchadnezzar was doing it to destroy their stand. It was just as much for Nebuchadnezzar the enemy as it ever was for those that faced the fiery furnace. I want you to know we already know that what the devil means for evil, God can make it good. But it will either be a testimony for the Lord or your life will be something, an area that the enemy can use to tear down your testimony. It is just as much for Nebuchadnezzar as it would ever be. If you come off your stand with the Lord, you build up the enemy. And when you build up the enemy, you tear down everything that you've stood for and everything that God has tried to build in your life. Oh, I come to plead with you. Don't bow. Don't bow down. Don't give in. Don't give up. It'll only build up the enemy. It'll only be worse in the end. We cannot afford to give up. Another lesson, I want you to see verse 24 and verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bowed into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king, true, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. They're in the form, the form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. i got to bring out something important here, and I, I know we, we want to shout right here, but I want to bring out something important. They bound them. 
They tied them up, their hands and then their feet. The mighty men went over to the furnace. The fire was real. The mighty men fell over as dead men because the fire and the heat was so great. Uh, they throwed them in the midst of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar got up on his throne where we could see down in there real good. Uh, and I want you to know what he didn't see. He didn't see three men that were consumed. Uh, and he didn't see, this is very important, three men that were standing there like this. Uh, no, they wasn't standing in the midst of the fire. What he seen was three men. Uh, that were walking down in the furnace and the fire, and the fourth man was like that of the Son of God. You know what this tells me? I'm going to be a little active, but it tells me by the fact that they were walking that they refused to sit down. They were active. They may be in the fire, but they were still preaching. They may be in the fire, but they were still singing. They may be in the fire, but they were still leading their kids. They may be in the fire, but they were still faithful in the house of God. They may may be in the fire but in the midst of the fire they proved what was inside them was something that was real and was given to them by the Lord I come to ask you not to bow I come to ask you not to sit down I come to tell you even if you're in the fire be about the work of God you know what <laughs> don't ask her Afterwards, I'm not doing this to try to, to reveal something or show something. But don't, don't ask her. Don't. But I just got to tell this. I watched well ago. I've been watching. But uh, Hannah, when she began to sing her, so I'm not trying to puff her up. I'm not trying to do that at all, and she knows that, and I'm not trying to embarrass her. But I've watched, I've kept my eye, not just on her, but others also. But I know for a fact little Hannah has had some things on her mind, on her heart, been going through some things and, and through some changes, and, and not no secret, and anything we've communed, we talked about it. And uh, you know what I see, you know what I watched? Uh, I watched the songs that she chooses to, to, to sing. Uh, she didn't come and ask me about that song. There's every once in a while, she'll send me a song. What do you think about this? Uh, when I hear it, I'm, I feel the presence of the Lord. Uh, I see song choices. Uh, I see her allowing the Lord to use her. Uh, I see her being genuine. Uh, you know what I see? Uh, I see a little teenager in the midst of the fire. Uh, I may be in the fire, but I'm still going to sing. Uh, I'm still going to let the Lord use me uh, and let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow in the midst of a fire. Oh, I want to preach just a little bit. Oh, the church has got a lot of quit in them. And all we're doing is showing the world that it wasn't worth standing for anyway. To see a lot of believers setting back. Oh, I, you know, I got offended. Are you surprised? How are you surprised that you got offended when Jesus plainly said offenses will come? How did that catch you off guard? Oh, you just don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I know what he's done for you. We believe the scripture, his strength is made perfect. And I depend upon his strength. His strength becomes my strength. <laughs> Church, I hope you feel my heart tonight. But if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, you didn't think we were going to get there without going through the fire, did you? You didn't think we were going to get there without a little bit of a storm trying to tear our family apart. You didn't think, do you think the enemy is satisfied with us being a church sitting at the doorpost of hell and say, telling people, you don't got to go there? I already told you this. I got to tell it again. But last Tuesday, not last Tuesday, Tuesday night before, I went to the Agape house. I was down there, taught my lesson. I was all done. A guy sat on the back of the back row. He was set further back than anybody else. He wasn't on a complete back row. He didn't pay me no attention. It didn't look like at all. His name was Frank. I don't care to tell you his name because I want you to be praying for him. When I got done, I'm walking down the aisle yes I was going to go to him and shake his hand but he stands up right in front of me to stop me where I'm walking and and I'm yes I'm there I'm there to teach and everything but it was in a way of like hold up buddy and he's standing taller than me and I stood there and I looked at him we looked at each other for a few moments and and then he uh, I said can I help you because I didn't know what was on his mind Sebastian's been with me before we don't never know what we're going to get into and, uh, and uh, can I help you and he looked at me, and uh, I, told, I told Sister Becky I was ready to take a stance or whatever. I didn't know what to expect. And he said, I'm going to split hell wide open, and I'm going to burn for all of eternity. 
And I said, no, sir. You don't have to die and go to a devil's hell. He said, you believe that? I said, if I don't believe that, I'll leave my Bible here and I'll never pick it up again. I don't care who you are or where you've been. The grace of God, the blood of Jesus was shed just for you, buddy. I watched him as he fell, broken by the power of God. And I prayed him through, and I walked out, and I was in my heart. I didn't tell this, but the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, I told you, you would be as a church that stood at the gate of hell telling people, you don't got to go there. I plainly told him, you don't got to die and go to a devil's hell. You don't have to do that. I want you to know and I want you to understand tonight. You need, you need to realize that if you come off of your stand, you come off your stand, you will be, a, the devil's not trying to use somebody out here that's not honoring God. The devil's working in the church. And he'll take those that are claimed to be a believer and he'll work on them. And when the world sees them come off of their stand, then one more time it's a confirmation to somebody that was watching and it's really nothing to it anyway. Don't bow. Don't bow down. They were loose. They were active. They were walking. They were free. They were about the work of God. I've lost my notes. I've got to try to find a spot here. Go with me to verse 27. Let's jump there. And the princes and governors and captains and king's counselors being gathered together. They saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Now I want you to think about that. That's pretty well in depth. This was an inspection. He had the king's counselors, captains, governors, princes, he had everybody there. They brought him up. They got the three Hebrew children there. Look at this. They looked at their hair. They looked at their coats. They asked. That was the same coat they went in with, right? They smelled them. I, that's what my puppy dog does to me. Make sure it's me, I guess. I don't know. But he comes up and sniffs. Sees it's me. And they did a thorough inspection. Checked his hair, his coat. I'm not going to sniff you. They smelled him. A thorough inspection. Thank you. They said, we can't even tell they've been through the fire. <laughs> oh, I want to preach. Do you know what those around you are doing? They are inspecting your life. They're listening to what you say. They're, they're watching all of your actions. You see, it may be a big secret to most, but your family knows you're going through something. They may not know the extent of it, but they know. They're watching how you act. They're looking to see if you'll come off your stand. Oh, I mean, their eyes are glued on you. They are inspecting every single area of your life because you know what they're doing? They are trying to find something that they can pick at. And if they look at long enough, yes, the devil will give them something elementary to pick at. But the one thing that the devil cannot give them, he cannot give them the satisfaction of letting them know that you completely bowed out if you will stay faithful to Jesus Christ, if you will stay faithful, listen, I mean you ought to speak faithfulness, you ought to walk faithfulness, you ought to talk faithfulness, you ought to be faithful, more faithful to the house of God, you ought to stand strong, never to bow down and to not come off of your stand because somebody is inspecting you, your children, your spouse, your friends at school, they're inspecting you. Why? Wow, you know what? I want to pass inspection. 
They stand back with all of their arms crossed and say, look at him. Can you believe that young man or that young woman brought their Bible to school? Can you believe that they are still going to church? Can you believe that they're still married to them? I'm preaching good. I don't know why we got quiet. They're inspecting every single area. And you know what they need to see when they get to inspecting? They need to see somebody that has every excuse in the world to quit. They need to see them have a greater desire than what they've ever had for the work of the Lord. They need to see somebody that come through a situation of sorrow that is full of joy and has a smile on their face. They need to see somebody that has no reason at all to keep going, to have a great desire to continue on. I don't know if you're following some of the posts, but uh, Pastor Ross uh, Kibido and his wife were, uh, were watching. She's had Lyme disease. She for four years been bound to a wheelchair. Me and my my wife been following. I've been uh, we've been posting, commenting on there. But I knew him way before. I've seen her uh, way before when she's bound to a wheelchair for four years, bound in a wheelchair and not been able to walk or do anything. And he's saying, pray for her. We're believing God to give her her strength back. We're believing God to heal her. This last week we've seen her. She got. Up up with a walker and she's taking baby steps uh, first time in four years uh, about two days later she's got a vacuum cleaner in her hand uh, first time in four years uh, the day after that she's going to the park uh, and she's playing with her kids uh, first time in four years uh, walking with her family uh, I want you to know uh, and that's something we ought to share uh, if the if the world sees the enemy knock you down uh, make sure they see you get back up uh, by the grace of God and continue on about your stand. Never to bow. Never to bow. I want you to understand they went through a great inspection. They just came through the battle of their life. And at some point I'm going to be playing. You're going to face a battle that is going to knock the wind out of you. going to knock the wind out of you. Probably the battle of your life. Because at some point, to those that hold faithful, the enemy will release everything he's got to attack you with everything that is dear to you. And his only objective is to knock you off of your stand with the Lord. Oh, I'm asking you not to bow. It was this for the children, the Hebrew children, here's what I want you to know. They had all kinds of ways of killing people back then. They had all kinds of ways of death. But Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, choose, he chose the fiery furnace. Why is it that he chose the fiery furnace? I'm about to hush. The fiery furnace represented Isbar. Isbar was one of the most powerful gods in Babylon. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. He asked him a question. If we backed up to it, I want you to see just the end of it. If we back up to verse number 15, I want you to see just the end of this. But he asked him a question. He's thinking about Isbar. He's thinking about the power of the fiery furnace. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? Because I'm about to throw you to Isbar, the God of fire, their fire God, one of the most powerful gods. And when they were thrown to what they called Isbar, which let me just tell you, I don't know if Nebuchadnezzar knew this, it was just a fiery furnace. Do you mean to be disrespectful? Absolutely. There is but one God. And his name is Jesus. They throw him to Isbar. And they're walking around down there in the midst of Isbar, the fiery furnace. This lesson of the fires tells us this. Through the three Hebrew children, they didn't, they wasn't born. They'd already been in Babylon for some 15 years. They didn't see in their future that they were going to have to face the fiery furnace. 
And you today could be facing a battle that a million years from now you'd have never thought that you were going to go through. Greatest battle ever is born. But what the Lord reminded them was that even Isbar, the Son of Man who is Jesus Christ, has already defeated. It was defeated then, and it's more so defeated now because of the cross of Calvary. I want to tell you, I don't know maybe what you're going through, and some of you, I may know what you're going through, but I'm not going to make light of your situation, but of a truth, I'll tell you this. Whatever it is you're facing or whatever it is you will face, Jesus Christ is already defeated on the cross of Calvary. That ought to give you hope. It shouldn't be just something, well, I've heard that before. Absolutely. And you're going to hear it, hear it a 10,000 more times. Jesus has already defeated everything on the cross of Calvary. As Nebuchadnezzar learned, Isbar was subject to the Son of God. As the enemy that attacked your family, your home, whatever situation is, if you'll keep your stand and not bow down, he will quickly learn that he is subject to what Jesus has already done for you on the cross of Calvary. Keep your faith in him. Something I like to say is if you keep your faith in him, you're smack dab in the middle of a battle that you cannot lose. You can't lose as long as you will continue to trust him. The last lesson, I'm going to hush. Musicians, would you come back? I want all of you, if you would. The last lesson that I want you to understand. The attack that was meant to destroy them turned out to be the greatest testimony maybe that, that Babylon had ever known. I want you to get that. The attack that was meant to destroy them turned out to be the greatest testimony in Babylon that ever known. It was then that Nebuchadnezzar made a creed that they should worship and serve only the God of the three Hebrew children. The attack that is meant to take you out will make the greatest impact on those around you, the greatest testimony. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. Though it's not fun, those that are watching, those involved, will either be affected or they'll be discouraged or greatly impacted by the power of God if you allow him to work in you and allow him to prove to bring evidence through your life. I come to plead with you. I come to plead with you tonight. Though it's turned up seven times hotter than you ever thought it would be, I come to ask you to not bow. For the sake of what God has got in store for you, for the sake of your faith, for the sake of those around you that will be, they're going to be affected either way, either in a good way or a bad way, I come to ask you, Faith Worship Center, don't bow. Don't bow. So what if it's the fiery furnace? God's accustomed to the fire. He's been in a fire. He's brought us through a flood. He's tore down walls just because they marched. It didn't make any difference. If we will stand faithful to God, there's absolutely nothing. There's absolutely nothing. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, or comes against you like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I come to ask you, don't bow. Don't bow. Don't bow. Keep walking. Keep preaching. Keep singing. Keep teaching our kids. Continue on about the work of God. Continue on because we've got too much to gain to lose now. Here's my altar call. I want you to stand. I asked them to sing a song. I'm trying and I'm learning to become more dependent upon the Lord than I am myself in regards to even altar calls. And tonight... Don't know if it's a right way or a wrong way, but here's what I feel in my spirit. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not coming to pray for you specifically. We had prayer earlier. I don't think tonight is about that. I think tonight is about you believing the word that was preached and not because I preached it. Believing the word that was preached 
and allowing the Lord to implant that in your heart and in your spirit. Because if you think that we run the enemy off tonight by giving some truth, you're wrong. Because tomorrow morning, he'll be standing there with that golden image and saying, you better bow. It's not over. If you'll bow, he's promising you all kinds of things. If you'll just bow, it'll be over. I came to ask you to not bow. And tonight, if you believe the word, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit work on your heart, on your life. And I believe it's essential that we just worship for just a moment. I asked them to do this song. I'm going to ask you to come up front if you feel welcome to, if you want to stay right where you're at. But I want you to worship. Just, I just want you to worship. And let the Lord put that truth in your heart. That Let come what may, I will not bow. If you feel led to pray for somebody, pray for them. If you feel led to go over and just worship next to somebody, we want to do everything in reverence and in order, but I believe in order is to just let the Holy Spirit do upon the individual heart what we cannot do. So the front is open. We're just going to worship a little while. You've heard the story of Paul and Silas, how they were bound and thrown in on praying they were serving the God they cannot fail then after midnight God sent an earthquake and those foundations began to shake the prison doors flew open wide all inside the stand outside well he'll be bitterly Five stones and a sling in his hand. Well, he been running to meet that army. He met that Philistine man who stood mighty and tall. Said, I've come in the name of the Lord. And you know that mighty man did fall. Well, he'll be bitterly in my time of need. I go Oh, I'm 
Your enemy's got a way of making us feel like we're all alone. Did the same thing with Elijah when he ran to the cave. And the Lord said, Elijah, there's 7,000 footmen sitting out here that have not bowed down a knee. Uh, to, to, they have not bowed down a knee. I want you to know tonight, uh, you look around, there's about 100 folks in here tonight that's not yet bowed out. Amen. You're not alone. We're here together. We're sticking together. And I, I'm asking you, don't bow. Don't bow. We're still here to stand. Let's go on for the Lord and let God do a great work. Amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, whatever it may be. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.